Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, everybody stand to your feet. Amen. Amen. And I want you to say with me, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare for me a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, God. And so we've been actually looking at Psalm 23, and boy, it's been rich, it's been deep, and we thank the Lord for that. And um, thus far, we have learned that the Lord is our shepherd, and as long as he's our shepherd, we won't have any needs, and that the Lord is our peace, and he leads us be beside quiet waters and still waters, and he, and he gives us the ability to lie down in green pastures. He restores our soul. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his namesake, and yet, and yay, though I have to go through some difficult times in my life, everybody say, though I have to go through difficult times in my life, I will trust the Lord. Why? Because I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to give in to fear. I'm not going to be paralyzed by fear. Why? Because I know that God is with me, and as long as he's with me, he's going to give me what I need, when I need it, even though I don't deserve it, he's always there. Amen? And his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And David now goes on to the next point, and I'm telling you what, it is so powerful, so deep. And David declares that God actually prepares a table in the presence of his enemies. That God prepares before me a table in the presence of his enemies. And so we want to look at that, and we want to understand that, because the truth of the matter is, is in God's sovereignty, in God's wisdom, God is going to lead us through the valley, but he's going to lead us also onto a mountaintop experience. He's going to lead us to the next series of victories in our life. You see, the shepherd is always one step ahead of the sheep. And the truth is that when we're walking in the valley, there are predators. There's lions, there's bears, there's coyotes, and boy, oh boy, there are wolves. And that's why the Bible says that there are wolves that come in sheep clothing, and there are wolves, and the wolf loves to eat up the sheep. The sheep is a prey for the wolf. And the truth of the matter is, is that when we're walking through the valley, it can get really scary because we know that there are predators along the way. But that's why the shepherd, in his providence, in his wisdom, the shepherd goes ahead of the sheep. 
He has his rod in his hand. He sleeps at the, at the sheepfold or the gate of the sheepfold. And the Bible tells us that the, ship, the shepherd actually goes and prepares the way. Now, there's seasons for everything. So the shepherd sees another season is about to happen. It's the, the summer season. And the shepherd actually goes before the sheep, even sometimes a month or so before the sheep ever go through the valley to get to the mountaintop. The shepherd actually goes through the valley and he climbs up the mountaintop and he looks for any danger. The shepherd looks to see if there's any poisonous grass or poisonous weeds. The shepherd looks around to see if there's any wolves or, or sheep or any kind of danger that can happen to the sheep. The shepherd goes through the valley before he tells the sheep to go through the valley. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. When he came to earth and when he died on the cross, he became our high priest and he went through what we have to go through. He already went through it. He went through the valley. He climbed up the mountain and he, and he was crucified on the cross so that he could experience the pain that we would experience in our life. He could experience the temptation that we would experience in our life he could experience the dangers and face them all and see what they are so that he could be our good shepherd and he could lead us on the path of righteousness he can lead us through the valley and he can also lead us on to the mountain top but I love what the Bible says the Bible tells us that God prepares the way now, in the summertime, the shepherd would now lead the sheep through the valley onto the mountaintop. And the truth is, David is actually thinking about two things. David's thinking like a king, and he's thinking like a shepherd. Remember that before David was a king, he was a shepherd. So when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, the Lord leads me. He leads me in the path of righteousness. He leads me in the valley at times, though I have to walk through the valley, and that, that he leads me to the mountaintop. David is actually thinking like a shepherd. And so as a shepherd, he's saying, God is going to lead me onto a mountaintop or tableland experience. Why? Because the shepherd would actually go up to the mountain and they would find a plain on the mountain, which was called an Alps land or a table land. That's what it's called. It's called a table land where he would lead his sheep to a safe place where now they can see everything. They could see where their enemy is because now they're on the summit, they're looking down, and they can see it all. They're not walking through the valley anymore, but they're actually looking down at their enemy. They're actually looking forward at their enemy, and they can see everything. But at the same time, the, the good shepherd has prepared a place. What place? He found the place where there's good grass. He found the place where there is running water. He found the place where his sheep can lie down and be still and know that the good shepherd is watching over him. And so now he leads him to the table land. But also David is thinking like a king. Why? Because after he was a shepherd, he was a king. So now as a king, David is thinking... The Lord is my mighty warrior, 
and the Lord does battle for me, and the Lord has his staff in his hand, and the Lord goes before me to destroy my enemies. The Lord goes and battles for me, for the battle is not mine, but it's the Lord, and the Lord goes through the valley, those dangerous places, and now he leads me to a table that is prepared for us, or for me, and as a result of that, I can sit at that table, and I can dine with the Lord, I can sup with the Lord, because his victory becomes my victory. Now, what is he talking about? Well, in those days, when a king conquered his enemy, he would actually take the king, and he would make the king sit at his table. And it was actually a a way of mocking the king. He was actually saying to the king, I am the ruler over the kingdom now, and you are my subject, and you need to humble yourself. And as a gesture of actually mocking them, he would sit at his table, and and his enemy would have to sit across from him as the king would dine, as the king would sup, as the king in victory would declare, I defeated you. So David's thinking two things, the shepherd leading his sheep to the tableland and the warrior of God, who he is, who defeats our enemies and forces our enemies to sit at our table as we dine with the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. But I love what he he says. Number one, he says, he prepares for me. I love that word prepare. You know, when I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking about all the things that God does as he goes ahead of us and he prepares things for us that are good things, that are wonderful things, that the Lord is always thinking about us. He's always preparing. Why? Because the Lord is a great host. In fact, Jesus says that when we are faithful to the Lord and we faithfully wait for his return, when the Lord comes back, listen to this, this is cool. When the Lord comes back, And because we've been faithful, the Lord's going to call us to his banqueting table. And the Bible says the Lord himself will serve us as our host. Wow. Now, I know he's the Lord, and we live to glorify him. And everything we do in our life is about God. And we've been created for his honor, for his glory, and his pleasure. But God loves his children so much. God loves us when we're faithful to him. That God takes the, 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 the towel of servanthood like Jesus did. And he actually wants to serve us because he loves to serve his children. Now, we, he doesn't exist for us. We exist for him. But man, in turn, he loves us so much that he wants to to serve us. And there's coming a day, friends, when we're going to sit around the, the marriage banquet. Hallelujah. As the Bible says, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there's, there's going to be a table and there's always room for one more. Maybe you're away from the Lord today. Maybe you don't know God today. I want you to know there's room at the table of the Lord for you. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man would open the door, he can sit at my table and I will sup with him. Come on, somebody. Now, there's just something about a good host. Have you ever met a good host? Now, I want to tell you that I take hosting very seriously. Why? Because I'm Italian. And if you come to my house, even if you're working, you know, my workers, they, you know, whatever it is, it might be somebody's doing something to fix something in my house or, you know, I'm always inside thinking, okay, I got to make them coffee now, you know, and I, I've got to make sure that they get this and, you know, for lunch, I'm going to get them lunch, you know, because I'm thinking like a host, you know, because I'm Italian. That's what we do. We feed people. If we don't feed people, we're not happy. 
you know. My wife says, why are you forcing it on them? I'm like, because they got to eat. They got to eat. You know, when, when I first became the pastor, I met this woman. I loved her to death. Her name was Sister Mocha, Stella Mocha. How many of you remember Stella Mocha? Anybody? Stella Mocha. And uh, she was a, a, a precious Italian woman. She was about this big, you know, and um, a little round, but, but she was about this big, you know. And uh, she liked to eat, you know. And, uh, and, and she said to me when I became the senior pastor, you know, 24 years ago, almost 25 years ago, uh, she said, uh, Pastor Steve, she says, uh, you got to come over to my house. And when you come over to my house, you can do nothing the whole day. You got to eat, eat. She said, because the other pastor, he came to my house, he eat, eat. He said, but you, you too skinny. You too skinny. You got to eat. So I got to keep you there all day and feed you all day. So, so we get to the house, Sister Mocha's house, you know, my wife and I. And, you know, I, I'm telling you, I had to fast like five days before I got to the house just so that there was room, you know, and uh, so that I was hungry enough, right? And so, you know, we'd sit at the table and she'd say, okay, pasta, I'm going to feed you now, you know. And she'd put out the antipasta, and then after the antipasta, the salad, then after the salad, the pasta, and after the salad, the, and the pasta, then there was the chicken with potatoes and carrots, and then after the chicken and potato and carrots, then there was the, the meat, the sausage, the brajol. I mean, I'm telling and I'm thinking to myself, where am I going to put all this food? I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You know, I used to wear those pants that stretched out, you know, just like, holy mackerel, you know. And then, and then after the, the meat and all of that stuff, I think, okay, I'm, we're done, you know, this is good. I had enough, you know. She, oh, no, 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 no. You've got to have the fruit to help it to go down so you can have more food. And then we have fruit. And then after the fruit, we would have the pastries. And then after the pastries, we'd have the cappuccino. And I was like, give me the caffeine. Why? Because, man, I'm falling asleep right now. Because when you have all that pasta and everything, you just want to go to sleep, right? So I would, like, call the office. Like, I'm not coming back to the office. I'm going home to go to sleep for three days. <laughs> and on the way out, she goes, no, 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 no. You cannot go until I give you the rest of the food. And she'd, <laughs> she'd give me all the food. I'd be taking it home for, like, three weeks. I'd have to freeze this stuff. I'd be giving it out to everybody, you know. Like, whoa, there's a lot of food, you know. Well, Sister Mocha went on to be with the Lord about 10 years ago, so that's why you could see that. Anybody wants to feed me, I'm open, I'm open. But there was just something about leaving that house where I just knew one thing. You know, I mean, I was full. I definitely did not want to eat all that food, and I did it because I wanted to be a nice pasta, you know what I mean? Uh, but the truth of the matter is when I left that house, there was one thing I knew. That woman loved me. She cared about me because she spent all day long, maybe two days, preparing for me to get there to dine and feast at her table. And I want to tell you today, I want to suggest to you today that God himself has spent eternity preparing things for you that will blow your mind. Hallelujah. That David said, the Lord prepares for me. That God loves to prepare. He loves to go before his people. He loves to be prepared so that he can give you good things. David said, you are my good shepherd and you're always preparing for me. Listen to me. God is always going ahead of you and preparing something new, something powerful, something good, something delicious. That's why the Bible says, taste 
and see that the Lord is good. He's always going ahead of you to prepare something awesome for you. He's always going ahead of you to prepare something fruitful to you. Listen, let me tell you something. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, we, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this world or the of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now, no, he said, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden, that God is destined for our glory before time began. Listen to what he says. He was preparing it, and it was destined for our glory, even though we didn't know it. God was already preparing it. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they did, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. What God is preparing, preparing, preparing for those who love him. Come on, somebody say, God is preparing something good. Come on, say, God is preparing for me something good. And Paul the Apostle says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for those who love him. Hey, listen, here's what Paul said. If the enemy knew what God was up to, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But you see, the devil didn't know that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, what Jesus was actually doing, he was coming down from heaven as a good host, and he was dying on the cross. And he was preparing a place for you so that where he is, you might be also. And when he died on the cross and he shed his blood, he prepared a place for you so that you can dine at the Father's table. So that you can know that you can have eternal life. That's why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go away to prepare, to prepare, to prepare a place for you so that where I am you might be also eye is not seen nor ear is heard nor is it entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for those who love him glory come on give the Lord a shout come on give the Lord a shout today but, but he says God prepares for me a table table and in the Hebrew that word table actually has the connotation of plenty plenty how many of you have ever gone to a place called uh, the good and plenty it's actually found in Amish country and, and and you go to good and plenty and they've got a buffet and it goes on and on and on it's like sister Moch is there going eat 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 you gotta eat you're getting too skinny and so that word table actually means plentiful. David's not talking about a small table portion. David is speaking about a big spread of food, a huge display of everything, every wonderful thing that you could ever think of. Eye has not seen nor has ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for them. In other words, David isn't talking about a little plate of food. He's talking about a feast fit for a king. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is preparing a feast fit for a king for you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say that. And the truth is, 
God is even setting the atmosphere. That God is saying, and in this place, in this feast, there's going to be a celebration. That's why Jesus tells us that when the sheep wanders, the shepherd goes and finds the sheep, and he brings back the sheep, and what does he do? He has a celebration. That's why Jesus says when the lady loses a coin and she finds it, she has a celebration. That's why Jesus said when the prodigal son is lost like the sheep that was lost, but he comes home, the good father, he throws a big party and he celebrates. I want to tell you, I want to suggest to you today that God is a party animal. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not talking about a, a bad party. I'm not talking about an ungodly party. I'm talking about a celebration. God is a God of celebration. He loves to feast and he loves to celebrate. I know some of you, you've got this idea that God is this old man in heaven with a long white beard and when you do something wrong, he hits you over the head with his staff because he hates you and he just wants you to do what he wants you to do but that's not my father in heaven that's not my daddy in heaven my daddy in heaven, he loves me with an everlasting love and eye is not seen nor ear is heard nor is it entered into my heart what God, my daddy is preparing for me and when I get to heaven, let me tell you, you might think that heaven is boring but it's going to be a rocking place hallelujah i'm talking about it's gonna be a party hallelujah god loves the party so much that every single time somebody gets saved every time somebody comes home every time somebody turns to the father the father says another excuse for a party hallelujah another excuse for a party come on let's dance again we got a dancing god we've got a dancing father the bible says and he dances over us with songs of joy so the Bible says, come on, I want you to close your eyes and say, Daddy. Come on, close your eyes and say, Daddy, forgive me for not understanding who you are and how much you love me and how much you love to celebrate life and celebrate your children. I love it. And you know, there's one guest that's going to sit at the table, and that's you. Individually, God prepares a table for us. And then corporately, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And God does this wonderful work of preparing and waiting and serving on every individual who loves Jesus and calls him by name. It's a feast. What kind of feast? It's an incredible, listen to me, it's an incredible feast of God's grace. Grace and more grace. God's indispensable, undeniable love poured out to us by the Holy Spirit. God's goodness stored up for those who love him. God's mercy. God's anointing that runs over. And we're going to talk about it next week as the, the Bible says. And it's in the context. Listen to me. It's in the context of God preparing a table. He says, God, the good shepherd, prepares for me a table in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. We're going to talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit next week and how the Holy Spirit anoints us. And the Bible tells us that David himself says, and he fills my cup and it runs over and it runs over and it runs over. In those days, in the Middle Eastern times, when you came into somebody's house and the, and the owner of the house, the host of the party, wanted you to know that you're welcome to stay as 
as long as you want. And as long as you stay, there's everything you need in the house. He would take wine and he would pour it into a glass and he would let it keep on overflowing and overflowing, symbolizing and speaking and communicating to his guests that as long as you want to stay in the house, you're welcome. And as long as in you're in the house, you get anything you need when you need it. And God, your father saying, as long as you stay in the house, there's a cup that will overflow in your life, an overflowing blessing in your life. And whatever you need, you get it when you need it. That is grace. God giving us what we need when we need it, even though we don't deserve it. Are you with me today? Is somebody, is somebody awake today? Is somebody excited about what God does for us in our life? He said, you prepare a table plentiful for me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but when I want to sit down and eat, I want to eat with my enemies. I don't want to eat with people that don't like me because I want to eat my food in peace. I want to sit down and I want to eat my food and I don't want anybody to give me indigestion. And when I think about my enemies, man, I'm just, I'm just eating that pasta fazool and it goes, oh, it gets stuck right here. You know, that garlic gives me indigestion because I'm thinking about my enemy. But when I want to sit down and eat, I want to sit down in peace and eat my food in peace. That's why you ought, to have, you ought to have family devotions. You ought to eat together as a family. And you ought to never fight because when you sit at the table, you can't look at the person that you're angry with and you can't enjoy your food. That's why some of you are really getting skinny and you're not eating your food. It's because you're having, you're having problems in your family. <laughs> you can't enjoy your food. I don't know about you, but when I've, when I've got ajita, you know what I mean? When I've got something against somebody, I just can't sit down and enjoy my food. So David, you know, if you, if you notice one thing about David is he's so honest, he's scary honest. You know, David says some things in the Psalms that at times I'm like, dude, why would you even say something like that? I mean, that's not even Christian. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like Jesus says, love your enemies. He says, and if your enemy tells you to go one mile, go two miles. Pray, pray for your and bless your enemies. David's like, dude, I'm not blessing my enemies. I want my enemies dead. You know, and he's not even nice about it. He's like, I'm God, slay my enemies. I mean, cut their heads off, man. Let the blood flow down the valleys. I mean, like, like, like just barbecue them all. I mean, did you ever notice, you know, David... You know, he had a problem with his enemies. I mean, he's a warrior. He understands the whole warrior thing, right? And yet, God so often doesn't answer his prayers. In fact, the opposite. God actually allows David to have many enemies. Many enemies. Because he wants David to learn how to glorify God in the midst of his enemies. In the midst of his valley, glory to God. To recognize that God is still in control even when he has enemies in his life. Because here's the truth. The truth is we all have enemies in our life. And we're always going to have enemies in our life. That's just the way it is. There's going to be enemies that are visible and invisible. Visible enemies. People that just don't like you. Have you ever met somebody that doesn't like you? Don't turn to your husband and your wife right now. It's not a good time. It's not a good time. Just people don't like people don't like you because they're jealous of you. No, 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 wait, 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 before you start clapping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They should be jealous of me because I got it going on. You know? 
You know, I'm telling you, some people, they're so full of themselves, they think everybody's jealous of them, you know. You're so vain. You probably think this sermon is about you, don't you? <laughs> but the truth is, some people will be jealous of you. They will. Because you're moving to the tableland. You're walking through the valley. You're not staying there. You're walking through the difficult times in your life. But you're going to the mountaintop. Hallelujah. God's got a new experience. God's got a glorious experience. God's got a good experience for your life. And listen to me. And some of you, you're getting a raise. And you're getting a promotion. Why? Because you're a good person. You're a good man. You're a hardworking man. You show up at work early in the morning. You do your work good and you're boss is looking at you and they're watching you and you're doing the right thing for the right reason and one day God is going to see fit you're getting a promotion and you're moving on up hallelujah to the east side and now I'm going to tell you something there's some people while you're moving up while you're climbing up the mountain they're going to grab you by the britches and they're going to want to pull you down why because they want you to be where you they, they are but I'm here to tell you today in the presence of your enemies God is still preparing a table for you there are people that don't like you visible people that don't like you because you are a Christian because you smile too much because you're happy too much because you know the way and you're confident in the way because you're righteous and holy and you live the right way and they don't like that because you make them feel uncomfortable we ought to make somebody in our life feel uncomfortable come on if you're not making anybody feel uncomfortable, then you're living just like the world. Some people are not going to like you because God is just going to bless you. I mean, he's just going to abundantly bless you, and they're going to be jealous of you. And jealousy is like as cruel as the grave, the Bible says. But then there are the invisible, those that you cannot see. They're enemies, and they're real enemies. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and wickedness and spiritual authorities in high places. And we battle against spiritual forces of darkness. And we've got to have the discernment to know the difference between the two. But we do. We have a real enemy. And Peter said, the, the devil is like a roaring lion who he's seeking to devour. And young person, I'm going to tell you, the devil is real and he wants to destroy your life. He wants to take away your dreams. He wants to rip apart your life. He wants to steal your destiny. He wants to steal the blessings that God wants to give you in your life. He wants to tempt you to go the wrong way. He wants to tempt you to do the wrong things. And when you do the wrong things and go the wrong way, he's going to pounce on you. And he's going to make you feel bad. He's going to make you feel guilty. And he's going to destroy your life. Because he wants to kill you. And destroy you. That's why Jesus says in the context of the good shepherd that I've come to give you life more abundantly. But the thief wants to come to rob and steal and destroy your life. Make no mistake, you've got a real enemy. It's the devil. But then there's even another enemy. There's the, the invisible, there's the, there is the visible, but then there's the enemies within. And let me suggest to you today that I believe that the more powerful enemy that you'll ever experience in your life or come against in your life is not without, not invisible, but within. within. There's the enemy of fear that will paralyze you. 
There's the enemy of fear that will keep you from moving out in the things that God has called you to do. There's the enemy of fear that will keep you paralyzed and keep you from the promised land, going in to enjoy the things that God has given you, uh, going up the mountain, enjoying the feast at the table land. There is the, the enemy of guilt and condemnation. One of the greatest enemies of a man's soul is when you do something wrong and you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway and you knew that you were disobeying God and you knew you were guilty but you repented before the Lord but there's still that enemy that speaks so loudly in your ear and tells you that you failed God, that you made a mistake and it's cost you so much in your life. How could you ever really love God? Why would you ever even really do that thing in your life? And it's the enemy of guilt and condemnation in your life. There's the enemy of bitterness and the Bible tells us that that bitterness is like a weed and if it springs up it'll defile many and bitterness is like the poison that we drink while we wait for our enemies to die and so we are drinking that very poison that bitterness will steal away your joy is steal away grace why because the Bible says that we're to pray God forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us and so we have some real enemies in our life that are trying to destroy us. There is the enemy of lust. We want more and more and more. And David always cried out, God, get rid of my enemies. I don't want to deal with my enemies. And that's what I would love to happen in my own personal life. I don't want to deal with enemies. I don't want to deal with the devil. I don't want to deal with fear. And insecurity. I hate fear and insecurity. And, and let me tell you what, I wrestle with fear and insecurity in my life. I hate guilt and condemnation, and I wrestle with it from time to time. I hate bitterness and unforgiveness, and man, I've got to go to the cross all the time, and I've got to take my bitterness and my hurt and my pain and leave it at the cross because I know that it's going to destroy me, and I hate it. I don't want it in my life. Have you ever prayed, Lord, get that enemy out of my life? I don't want to deal with people that don't like me. I just want them to be gone. You know, that boss who really gets under my skin, I just want them to disappear. I hope that's not the case for anybody that works for me. That neighbor who really gets under your skin, that neighbor that you're trying to love, but man, that neighbor's always doing something, you know, letting that dog walk on your grass, doing that dog thing on your grass, and you're just praying, God, just let them sell the house and get out of the neighbor. I want them gone. And how many times did David want his enemies gone? What about Paul the apostle? Here, check it out. Here's Paul. Paul has to deal with the enemy of pride in his life. So what does God do? He doesn't take away the pride. He sends another enemy to deal with his pride. So Paul says, to keep me from becoming conceited and proud, God sends, listen to me, God allows a messenger of Satan. Say, say God allows certain things to happen. God allows you to have to fight your enemies. Listen to me. I know you don't like to, but God makes you fight your enemies. And so the Bible says, to keep me from becoming conceited and proud, God allowed a messenger of Satan. Hey, last time I saw in the scriptures, Satan is my enemy. So if he's got a messenger, it's my enemy. And the Bible says that, that Paul said, God, deal with this messenger of Satan for me. 
take away this thorn in my flesh that I've got to deal with day and night, day and night. Now, we don't know exactly what it was, but we know it was a messenger of Satan. It was an enemy. And God said, no, Paul, I'm not going to take away your enemy. I'm going to show you that your enemy keeps you humble enough to come to me, to rely on me. So every time you face an enemy, you know one thing, there's a table of plenty in the presence of your enemy. So whatever you need, I'm going to give it to you. Why? Because my grace is sufficient for you when you're weak and you know you've got enemies in your life and those enemies are going to take you down. You run to the foot of the cross. You run to the throne room of heaven and say, God, I need you in my life. I need you like the water I drink. I need you like the food that I eat. God, I know that you're my mighty warrior and I'm totally dependent on you. And God comes to your aid and he defeats your enemy every single time. You can't do it without the grace of God in your life. You can't live without the grace of God. You can't operate without the grace of God. It's all grace and you don't get grace until you recognize that you can't do it without God. Oh, the people of Israel, they wandered for 40 years in the desert. 40 years. And when they get to the promised land, you know, you think, God, just take care of my enemies. You know, we've been wandering for a long time. We've been walking a long walk. It's been a long journey, God. We just want to walk into the promised land. You deal with our enemies. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God said to Moses, Moses, send 12 spies into the promised land and go, let them go check out the promised land. And guess what? When they got in, they thought they were just going to walk into the promised land. And pick off that fruit. Eat that honey. And when they get into the promised land, what do they see? Giants in the land. Enemies in the land. And they're like, God, why would you allow us to confront enemies? And God tells them the reason. He says, I allowed your enemies to be in that land so that you would learn how to depend on me and you would learn how to fight. You would learn how to be mature. You see, if you've never had a problem, you wouldn't know how to fight through it to be able to see that God can solve it. If you never had an enemy, you wouldn't see that you could fight through it, believe God, and God would defeat your enemy. Come Lord God. So why does God allow us to have enemies in our life? Because our enemies keep us humble. Our enemies keep us trusting and relying on God. Our enemies actually keep us fit for the battle. We don't get lazy because we've got to fight. We've got to get on our knees. We've got to learn how to pray it through. We've got to learn how to read the word through. We've got to learn to gather together and do spiritual war together. So it keeps us from becoming lazy. Our enemies actually make us stronger. And check this out. I love this. And our enemies actually bring more glory to God. Joshua, I want you to lead the people of Israel around the walls of Jericho for seven days. And I want you to march around and sing and worship the Lord. And on the seventh day, I want you to do it seven times. And then I want you to shout. And I want the walls to come down. And listen to me. Do you actually honestly believe that Moses could part the Red Sea with just the staff? Do you actually honestly believe that the people of Israel could take down those walls by just shouting? No, no, no. You see, it was God coming through in the midst of the battle that brought glory and honor to God. Because those people, they knew this is not a group of people that can sing really high, so high that they can crack glass and pull walls down. 
they knew, wow, oh my goodness, these people are singing, and all of a sudden they hear the wall starting to crumble, and they recognize, no, 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 no. You see, they're singing in the midst of our, their enemies, and God is coming to their deliverance, and God is being glorified. Friend, let me tell you something. When you're in the battle, and you put on the garment of praise, and you begin to worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness, when you're in the valley, and you start dancing and singing and rejoicing, you begin to see God move on your behalf. Listen to me. The devil, he doesn't he doesn't get worried when you sit down and have a pity party. Oh, he's going to say amen. Oh, some of you, you sit down. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The devil. He's on my back. He's always bothering me. When am I going to get a break? It's a problem after a problem. And man, the devil's too. Listen, the devil ain't even bothering you. You ain't even important enough for the devil to bother you. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. He's bothering Billy Graham right now. Oh, but the devil, he's all over me. And, he's, and you know what the devil's doing? And you're saying, oh, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it this time. I'm going to die in the valley. And guess what the devil's doing? The devil's laughing and he's saying, amen, amen. You just keep on preaching it, brother. You just keep on preaching. Hallelujah. But friend, when you're walking through the valley, when you're facing a giant like David's faced the giant, and you put on the, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and you begin to praise the Lord in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the battle, I want to tell you, the devil walks on. He said, oh my goodness, look what's going on. Now he gets afraid. Now he gets scared. Why? Because he knows when you begin to praise the Lord, when the praise goes up, the power comes down. When the praise goes up, the anointing comes down. When the praise comes up, hallelujah, God stands off his throne and God says, that's my son. That's my daughter. And they love me in the valley. They love me in the battle they love me when it's hard they love me when they're in the fire hallelujah and he sends his warring angels to come and do battle and god gets the glory hallelujah you see instead of getting rid of our enemies as the worship team comes god simply prepares for us a table in the very presence of our enemies for the enemies within, God prepares a table of everything we need to feast on his goodness. For the enemies without, God prepares something good so that they can look and say, my God, he is a blessed man because he's been faith, faithful to the Lord. For the enemies that are unseen, God prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. And then he tells us, you don't have to fight. All you have to do is sit at my table and be still before the Lord and watch and see as I deal with your enemies. Oh, there is a table, a plentiful table of everything you need. So for fear, God gives us a plentiful portion of faith. <laughs> For bitterness, God gives us a plentiful portion of his love and his mercy. For anxiety, God gives us a plentiful feast at his table of peace. For God knows exactly what we need when we need it. And guess what? I love this. And for our greatest enemy, 
and our last enemy. And you know what our greatest enemy is? And you know what our last enemy is? It's not the devil. It's not the, the, the enemy within. It's death itself. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul the apostle said, and for our last enemy, God gives us eternal life. Hallelujah. He gives us a portion around his table. And guess what? And God says to you and I, all you need to do is sit and be still and know that I am God. And guess what? You sit at the table and while you're eating, <laughs> your enemies, not you guys, but your enemies have to watch you eat at the table of the Lord. And they can't touch you. They can't destroy you. All they can do is watch you feast at the table of the Lord. And guess what? It brings glory to God. You see, even the devil one day will bring glory to God. The Bible says, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. On the earth and under the earth, everywhere around the earth, there's coming a day when we're going to sit at the table of the Lord. We're going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb and we're going to feast with Jesus. And guess what? The devil's going to have to watch us feast. Hallelujah. He's going to have to watch us enjoy the presence of Jesus, not for a day but throughout all of eternity the devil's gonna have to watch God's children enjoying God's presence at God's table somebody say glory to God you see listen to me God gets the last word and so when David said thou preparest a table in the presence of my enemy God was saying through David listen to me I get the last word I get the finished word I get the final word I get the last laugh so it ain't done until I say it's done so if you're walking through a valley in your life if you've got a problem if you've got a trial keep on walking because there's a table that God is preparing for you I is not seen nor ear is heard nor is entered into the heart of man what God God is preparing for those who love him. So listen, God's got an army. And it's an army that has deliverance in their hands and in their hearts. And God is going to finish the work that he began inside of you. And when it's all done, we get to sit and know that he is God. <laughs>